Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, welcome to a special broadcast of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Instead of our usual format of inviting a guest on for a, a joint interview with both Andrew and me, this is an interview that Andrew recorded solo with his former mentor, Rene Lithiaga, who is a director and producer of live theater. Rene recently put on a socially distanced production of Disney's Tarzan in Norristown, PA. And we thought that listening to her talk about the challenges of putting on a socially distanced musical could give people inspiration as to how to mount their own events on a smaller scale. Andrew, you do something like this in your own work with the Whitman Birthplace, no? Yeah, you're right, Adam. Uh, I've been doing a few virtual walking tours uh, where actually one that's upcoming is uh, in Huntington Village, where I'll be showing what it's like to look at Huntington through Whitman's eyes. I assume a lot's changed. Uh, a lot of boutique stores, <laughs> yes. Gross. Um, should I not say that? I don't care. Um, well, so tell us, some, some, of the, some of the listeners are just, you know, coming to us via search engine and they don't really know about your work. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you as in terms of recording it and then what it looks like for your audience when you put it online. Yeah, so like everyone will hear with Renee thinking about putting on a production during the pandemic on a small scale with walking tours a lot more happens behind the scenes in terms of how is the camera going to be focused on every spot when I'm walking? Is the Zoom connection gonna work? Hopefully my phone doesn't heat up because that happened one time and then I had to shut the phone down. Um, and really just making sure that I've already done the tour myself and I've timed it. You've told me this a few times, like every now and again, we're in a conversation that we have to cut short so that you can retrace Walt Whitman's footsteps, which is the, I don't know whether to be impressed that you have such a uh, skill in getting out of a phone call that's maybe turned a little bit uncomfortable. Is that what's happening? I bring up a topic that you don't really want to address. So you're like, oh, I just have to go retrace Walt Whitman's footsteps um, and I'm supposed to accept that? Yeah, it's kind of like a dog ate my homework, but with Whitman. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway, so, so, but yeah, we have talked about this, of course. And one of the things that you do is you do basically a dress rehearsal where you walk around a certain neighborhood and I guess you, you'll say, oh, here's the high-end boutique where Whitman bought his handbags. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. His top hat? His yeah. top hat. <laughs> um, well, so you'll, 
so you'll you'll walk around one of these neighborhoods and you'll sort of say okay that's something that i can mention mm -hmm. uh that's and and then when you have the camera on then it's all much easier but of course you're doing this by yourself yeah um and you're coordinating with the whitman birthplace so that other people can join you mm -hmm. but presumably you used to do this as a proper tour guide oh yeah i would have about um 20 to 30 people with me not bad and paying customers i assume yeah 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 and what's good well they it operates mostly as a donation to the birthplace sure um but yeah, the energy is different, of course, right? Of course. And I mean, you you draw on people, people's facial expressions, things like that. Do you actually have them on Zoom where you can see the facial expressions? So that's interesting because I can see them. I really don't look at them until the Q and A, just because it's really tough. That's sensible. That's sensible. I've heard the same thing, by the way, from stand-up comedians who have gone on to Zoom, that they do they do their rehearsed bits and then they have crowd work. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so this is this is a fascinating tidbit of a much longer conversation. If anybody is really interested in hearing how Andrew works this out with his local places of culture, whether it's the Whitman birthplace or if you want to do something for a museum near where you live, anything, right? Please feel free to contact us. We are, to the extent we can be, we are at your service. Yeah. And yeah. now I want to direct everybody's attention to... Oh, wait. And actually, before you do that, Adam, you, you can use our voice message system on um, Anchor. So right, please. please send us voice messages. We really, we get notifications. Um, yeah, and then, we, and then we respond. Yep, exactly. We, okay. We've so, yeah. done that. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. So one of the things that I think really bears mentioning, or two, two things that I think really bear mentioning. Number one is that what you're going to hear is a, is, an, is a heavily excerpted interview. Uh, Andrew uh, put on this show with Renee for his undergrads. And so there was a lot of material that was specific to undergrads that you're just not gonna hear, um, which in some ways is a shame because Renee is just fun to listen to. She's got, I mean, you, you hear her, you, you think you're listening to like a 19 year old who just got onto the scene and it turns out that she's got 20 year old children. I, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shock. You'll, you'll hear just her voice and you'll say, there's no way, there's no way that woman has a 20 year old child. But I think, well, I think she probably does. But anyway, so here <laughs> for you guys to focus on during the interview. Number one is that it's heavily excerpted. A lot of what she was talking about was directed at Andrew's undergrads. And we just thought that, that we wanted to focus specifically on her performance of Tarzan with a little bit of extra other stuff thrown in for context and color. Second thing is that she's gonna talk about pictures and we're going to have those pictures linked in the text below the recording, right? We found that there just wasn't a way to talk about the musical, which is of course a visual medium as well as a musical medium, uh, without her bringing up pictures and discussing what was in them. So 
for those of you who are really interested in the nitty gritty of her musical production, the pictures are there. For those of you who aren't, just concentrate on how much fun she sounds like to have a drink with. So here's one thing that I noticed about the pictures, right? Is that there are a lot of ape characters in this Tarzan musical and they used the ape visage to uh, when, they, when they put people's COVID masks on their faces. Like they combined the COVID mask with the ape mask, which is ingenious. And it made me really strangely hopeful for the future in, in perhaps a, an odd and perverted way that the original musical theater had masks. People know this, right? That the ancient Greeks acted with masks on them. The comedy and tragedy faces that we see and we continue to associate with, with musical theater go back to the way people painted their faces or the way people wore masks when they were in the theater, right? And people, every so often people have to reimagine how theater is going to look and sound for their contemporary audience. And one of the times that they did that was in the 1600s. Um, you'll have perhaps heard of the, um, Baroque, the early Baroque composer, Claudio Monteverdi, who along with some people, uh, along with some colleagues, they wanted to say like, what does, what, what did Greek, tragedy look like? And maybe we should be asking that question again. If you have to wear masks anyway, we might as well put on a revival of Lysistrata, right? And the, the result of Monteverdi asking what did Greek tragedy look like was, the, was modern opera, which leads directly into modern Broadway. And so I do think that as, as, as frustrating and depressing as it is to try to think to yourself, okay, how can I have a communal music theater experience with a plague going on? Well, I think people in, you know, people, people in ancient Athens were probably asking the same question. They also had plagues. They also had issues. Um, and I hate to I hate to say it, but but we are we we do need art as spectators. We need it, and people who are artists need to produce art. So that's going to go on as as dark as the times get. And the solutions that people come up with to get around these obstacles are going to be solutions that people in the future take for granted and say, oh, I don't know why we do this, we just do. And so with that in mind, I would love for you all to listen to Andrew and Renee talk about putting on Tarzan in Pennsylvania during the COVID epidemic. When did you actually first get into the professional business, would you say? Um, you know what? I don't know. My, my mom, I blame it on my mom and dad. Uh, you know, they were at all the concerts, Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, they were at Woodstock. Uh, you know, I mean, my father's a guitarist. So, I mean, you know, he'd hang out with Jimi Hendrix and all the people that were just amazing. Yeah. So I blame my mom and dad, <laughs> you know what I mean? For being those rock and roll hippies back then. They're conservative now, but back then. And, uh, you know, for just, um, I was always around music. 
So it was, it was in my blood. My brother, he plays 10 different instruments by ear. He writes, he composes. Uh, I moved my music out when I would hear it. And so I knew at like four or five years old, you know, I'd have the hairbrush and I'm going and do you know what I mean? Just everyone around me, Patti LaBelle, growing up with people like that, Marvin Gaye in my home. I mean, these are some of your classic R&B, do you know what I mean? Legends, you know, that, that it's, so it was just normal, I think, and just natural uh, for, for that music and the, the love of performing and the performing arts uh, to happen. Um, so at four or five years old, I knew. And then by that time that my parents had us, they switched. They went from doing the music and the tours, you know, when you're young, that's when you do it. And then they switched, went back to college and got their degrees in teaching. So my, my mother's, <laughs> yeah. So the arts and education, those are my two, like, I, I, that are dear to my heart. So, you know, so they did the flip and then my husband and I did the same thing. You know, we did our touring and our shows and everything, you know, for, you know, being young into our late thirties, early forties. And I was like, oh, it's time to have some kids. Cause you know, cause I was like, oh, the time is ticking. I have two teenagers, 16 and 20. Uh, my daughter, my oldest just turned 20 years old. And so now we're on the other end. So I'm coaching and teaching, you know, I'm very active uh, within my community. I, I serve on a few boards at Rowan University here in New Jersey and a few other colleges, smaller colleges. So the arts and education, that's always been my heart. So we kind of did the same thing that my parents did, that flip-flop. Yeah. And how old were you when you actually first did your international touring and met your husband? Oh, okay. Well, let me see. I don't, I don't have... I wish I could find that Hershey Park picture, but we met at Hershey Park when we were in college. Okay. So I was in my junior year at Adelphi and, you know, going to all the auditions and everything. And, oh man, I'll never forget because they didn't have, I remembered I auditioned at Hofstra. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to college in New York because that's where Broadway is, right? I didn't know. I was like, I got, I didn't care. I got accepted to Montclair, full scholarship, blah, 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 Rutgers, blah, blah, blah. But 30 years ago, they did not have musical theater departments. Even Hofstra's was separate. Stony Brook didn't have a musical theater program. Adelphi had just started their musical theater program. So, you know, where the dancers and the singers and the actors could all, you know, a BFA. And uh, so that's why I decided to go to Adelphi. But um, it was my junior year. Um, we were, I was auditioning for shows and I met my husband at Hershey Park. So, and the choreographers at Hershey Park were doing shows on Broadway. They were doing a chorus line. So here you have this tight knit circle, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all the stuff, you know, and websites. It was, you know, once you got the show and booked the show, you were on time, you stayed focused, you did your job, you know, I'm like 17, 18 years old doing these uh, theme park shows, but it's with people that were already on Broadway and young producers, and that's how I got into that circle. So it was like, as soon as you got the show, they would just call you, hey, Renee, do you want to come in for the uh, Disney audition? Hey, Renee, do you want to do this? So it was, it was being in that circle, but then showing up, being on time, being quiet until you were, you know, asked the question, you know, because it, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting because this is what I try to teach my students now. Everybody's talented. Talent mm -hmm. means nothing. It's, did you do your homework? Did you show up on time? Do you have respect? It, it's all about that because Talent is a dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, so I first met you when I was 16. I think I was 16 going on 17. Yep. Wait, that's almost a song from Sound of Music. Um, but I had met you and you were directing Smokey Joe's Cafe because you had 
been on the tour production of it, but also you were a standby on Broadway for it. Okay, that's true. Okay. And I just remember hearing all of the stories about you in the business when, if I remember correctly, you know German because you had been touring in Germany on yes. an Andrew Lloyd Webber on Starlight Express, I think. Yeah, a, cu a couple of shows. Well, actually, it's interesting because um, my great-grandmother, meine Übergroßmutter, war Deutsch. She was half German, still, Steilmann. Yeah, as, as German as you can get. Uh, she married my great-grandfather, who was Cherokee Indian and African. So living here in this area in the Pines in South Jersey back then, was, it was pretty amazing. Do you know what I mean? To be able to have like a multicultural family, which I love. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we moved our family back here in this area in South Jersey, because our family heritage, our family legacy. Um, I'm not sure if how many of you have heard of uh, William Still. He helped Harriet Tubman on the Underground Railroad. Yeah, that, that's my great, 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 great grandfather. Four generations. Yeah, so I got roots. <laughs> I got major family roots here in this area. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just awesome to, you know, to have that uh, family legacy uh, at, and at the same time, um, you know, be able to, to extend it. So, so Andrew, so yeah, so that's why I know a little bit of German, but my husband and I, when the Broadway company of Starlight Express closed, they asked us to go to Germany to do the German production. So that was like 30 something, that was a while ago too. <clears throat> that, that was my second big, big show after, right after college. It was like, boom. and then right away, just started booking all these shows. And my husband and I booked them together. Uh, so, you know, the whole show was in German, the ugliest language ever to sing in. You were spitting, it's like, ich mach mit. And it's just like, it's so guttural. Yeah, it's just, it's disgusting, it is, I'm just saying. <laughs> but. But the coolest thing was, is that we would have phonetics every day and then you had your lyrics and your choreography. Now, we had learned Starlight Express first in German. And then when that show closed, then we went back to the Broadway company and then the US tour. So my husband and I did this three times with three different shows, Starlight Express, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was a nightmare because of all those colors. And then I would sing, I would start in English and then sing in German and then go back and forth. So, so there was only me from the US tour that was in Germany and a good friend of mine named JC who was in the UK tour in the British production. So we would hear our names called out. JC Untrené, please go to phonetics. And we're like, crap because we were the only two english speaking do you know what i mean in the german company so they knew when, when you weren't going it war blau und grün red purple silver like, i would forget my colors in german so i would just do it came naturally which was you know we just finished doing a couple of year tour in the states of joseph so automatically i'm going right to english or right to german so uh what brings me to smoky joe's so I ended up, uh, and it was so nerve wracking, uh, and Andy, I could share this with you. I remembered uh, getting um, a call from the producers for Smokey Joe's Cafe from New, from New York. So this is Jerry Zachs, who directs everything on Broadway, who's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, uh, it was um, Joey McNeely, who was the original choreographer, who I adored, just looked up to him like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm in my late 20s, and they call me from Germany. They know that I just finished doing Joseph yeah, this was Joseph. Joseph in Germany, in German. So they call me from Germany. I'm like, all right, how'd you even find my number? Remember, this is before the internet, everybody. 
<laughs> this is they would just track you down and find you. You know, remember the faxes? Who remembers fax machines? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. So they're saying, Renee, we're gonna fly you into New York City and you're gonna audition for Smokey Joe's Cafe because we're doing a European tour. We're going to Germany, Switzerland, blah, blah. We need someone that knows the culture, that speaks German. We want you to do the show and possibly swing. So they send me like 50,000 fax sheets of song and I had less than a week to learn it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, help me. Like, it was so nerve wracking. So, you know, beside the jet lag, so I fly there, get to New York, you know, I'm practicing. I have my boa. I have everything, right? My mom, you know, this is before kids, obviously, everybody, before I had my children. And um, I get to New York and I'm yawning. I'm exhausted because it's a, you know, six and a half, seven hour flight. Hello, you're going from European time back to New York. And I'm yawning. And I'm like trying to stay awake. And I know all, I had to learn two songs, I think, off book within a week, right? And all the choreography. And this is before internet. So this is just writing. This is just with the notes from Jerry Zachs, from the director from Broadway and, and, and his assistants. And I get there and Joey McNeely is like, Renee, I know you're tired. I know you're jet lagged, but just sing the song to us, girlfriend. Just relax, just close your eyes, pretend we're not there. Closed my eyes, took a big breath, performed it. They looked at me, I looked at them, went outside in the hallway, waited, and they hired me right there on the spot. Wow. Yeah. So like, would you say the lesson of that is you had such a network, it seems, where they really looked up to you as, okay, Renee is a professional. She knows the German culture uh, and she's always going to show up on time. And, you know, and I think if I could tell everyone who's watching this, that was the lesson that I've carried after having you as a director is you know, show up on time. If you can't make something, message you right away. Yeah. And, you know, make sure that you're, I'm sure you could speak to the story better than I can, but, you know, make sure you dress for the part during rehearsals. Oh yeah. Oh, this is a great, I love this one because it was so funny. When Andrew and I connected the other day, I had just realized that I remembered this like it was yesterday because I remember telling, and, and uh, one of my assistants, his name is Ricky Whitfield. He did uh, Richie and, and a couple of the of course lines. He's, he, Ricky, Ricky's at least 15 years younger than me. So he reminds me of my brother, but he's amazing. He's an old soul, old spirit, very organized, very focused. He was doing a production of a, a cabaret show in Beijing, China, while we were here. And that's when Skype first came out. Him and I are Skyping, choreographing. He's in China, I'm in New Jersey. Literally, we, we rehearsed, directed, produced it, the whole, the whole show on Skype. And we had two weeks to teach Andrew. And, and Andy, you were the youngest, I think, and maybe one or two other high school kids. But I remembered you at that audition. I think I have old clips somewhere, Andy. I'm going to have to send it to you on my, on, the desk, on my desktop. And I just remembered, you know, he had this bright smile. He was focused. He wasn't yakking and yicking, yicking, yicking. Because sometimes it's so noisy, you know, when you're trying to run an audition or you're trying to do a production and you hear all this noise, it becomes, you know, if you're creative, right? How many of you understand that? If, if you're creative, you can only hear like your voice and maybe one other voice at a time, you know? And I just remembered him just being, because he was nice and long. You were always tall. So he was nice and long and tall. I'm like, how's that boy? He's nice and long. You know, his shoulders are back and he's got like this presence, like already. He was just like, I'm here. And I was like, 
who's that? You know, because I, I didn't, that was my first time meeting you at that audition. And he did an amazing audition. He danced well, but he already had this beautiful voice, but he had this smile and he was just, just genuine, like I'm here. So fast forward, we have about two and a half weeks, three weeks to put up Smokey Joe's. And it was in the middle of the snowstorm. You remember? Because it was in February. Do you remember that? There was a blizzard. And, you know, I have adults. We, we picked some, some adults that I knew that were jazz singers from New York and Philadelphia, you know, coming in. So it was a mixture. And Andrew got to work with, you know, other professional performers that had done Broadway and, you know, j uh, jazz gigs and singing with like Stanley Turrentine and all these big names, you know. So he had an opportunity to work with these people. And, you know, we'd be driving in, everybody's coming in from different places. Ricky would come in from New York and he would what be there on time. He was my dance captain, he was my assistant and he was in the show and his boyfriend was in the show. Now, if they had to take two trains, I had to pick them up, what was it, Linden Wald Station to drive down to main stage. Now, if he could be there on time, why couldn't my performance from Philly, I would be on them. And I remembered one night, I remember telling everybody, okay, look, it's Smokey Joe's Cafe. You know, it's set during that era, the 30s and 40s. You've got great, you know, music by Benny E. King, Stand By Me. You know, the women are dressed and beautiful. The men have their black slacks on and their suits. We don't have sweatpants on while we're in rehearsals. I, I think I said this once, yeah. right, Andrew? Yeah. Andrew's just as quiet sitting there. This is like the first or second rehearsal. Just as quiet. And he's got a notebook. And he's writing something. Because remember, not everybody had, we had flip phones. Not everybody had a, you know, cell phone. And he's just writing. And I'm like, I'm noticing, I'm like, yes, because that's what I did when I was 15, 16. Do you know what I mean? Was I would write everything down, you know? I wasn't like, well, I know what I'm doing. I was like, mm, zippity zip, you know what I mean? Until somebody older said, oh, Renee, do you have an opinion or do you want to chime in? But other than that, I better know my music, my notes. I better know my blocking, my choreography before I started going, oh, well, I'm fabulous. And I'm like, you know, we had a few people, right, Andy, in, in that show that were just like, and I was like, oh, you need to tune it down or else it's going to be your first and last show with me. And some, some of them, th that did happen. But I remembered saying it once, please don't come with sweatpants or shorts because you're doing a style of a show, you know what I mean? Where the men have the suits and the women, you know, the dresses and you have to have that line and just that look, right? You know, it, because it's a, it's, a, it's a showcase, but it's, it's very specific to what this show entails and what the show, and plus, I mean, Jerry Zachs had poured into me all these Broadway directors that I worked with. So now I'm getting ready to pour it to the high school you know, students and the college students that are there. I'm like, look, you got, if you want to make it to Broadway, let alone Broad Street in Philly, you have to take the notes. You know what I mean? You, you have to take the notes and you have to apply it. Andrew's over there writing, 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 writing. The next week we come in and I'm, I, look, there's traffic over the bridge in Philadelphia and I know that, but my cell phone's blown up, my flip phone, Renee, nay, nay, I'm going to be late. It's 15 minutes late. I'm like, I know you're going to be late. You're not here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> don't text me 15 minutes into the rehearsal because then it distracts me from, you know, doing what I'm doing. So we're sitting there and we're getting ready to go up on stage and I'm waiting to check and see who's here. Who took the note from the, from the first week when I said about dressing the part? So I'm talking, I'm like, wait a minute. And, and who, who, Andrew, Andrew's on time. He doesn't even drive. I remember saying that he doesn't even drive and he's on time. You know, and I said, and some of you live down the street. And you drive. So don't blame your mom and dad. Oh, my mom and dad didn't drive me. Or, oh, I forgot my didn't, didn't. Oh, no. They were like 18, 19, 20. They were grown enough to know better. And then I said, and look, Andrew's got his black slacks on. I was like, thank you. Somebody actually dressed the way that I asked them to dress tonight. And Andrew, I just remember you had the smile. Like, look at me. <laughs> it, was, it was the coolest, sweetest thing. And then Ricky was like, 
Oh, he's sharp. Yeah, yeah. He's going to do stuff. He, yeah, okay, yeah. He, he's good. He knows what he's, but he, he, Andrew, you totally just took the note and he applied it and he's 16 years old. You know what I mean? He's, he's taking it all in. And so my, my eye and my attention and my ear to his talent goes more toward him than it does the people that are like, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm like, yeah, but you were 15 minutes late. You're not dressed right. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's not about the talent. It's about that dedication and who's showing up and who's going to do above and beyond, you know, what the director or choreographer or whomever it is, or your professor asks you to do. Just don't do the minimum. Do not do the minimum. Keep it going. Give me more than that, right? Look, your professor is shaking her head yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're right. It's such a good lesson of, and everyone notices that responsible quality about you, and they take notice, and you then will be the one who they'll call when they're looking for the next part, which is what happened for when you then came on to, again, collaborate and direct uh, Godspell. And I think, which was the next year right after. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, 2011. I think it was the the year right after. And you're, you're, I remember your name popped up right away because, um, Ricky, I think he was on the cruise ship by then, so he, he couldn't help out. But him and I had talked about some of the talent. And I said, no, not him. No, no. I said, what about Andrew? What about Andy? Oh, I want him to do that song, All Good Gifts, because I knew you had this pure, beautiful, light, nice tenor voice. And then the character that you were reading for Godspell, you know, because Godspell, I, I just think it's such a great show anyway. You know, and we didn't do a lot of crazy nonsense like they did with the movie. We just kept it straight in. And I think, what was that, Andrew? What, what hurricane was that? What, there was like a storm or something that year, remember? So I'm trying to remember what it was. It wasn't Superstorm Sandy, but I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, yeah, but I think what I just <laughs> love about talking with you is you carry all these stories with you and they're all lessons that you've curated. And I think, you know, something to speak to the moment is I want to show everyone a few pictures of the recent Tarzan production just to show. Oh, okay, yes. You know, what did this stage look like that you said had to be built, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, and it was in outside the Elmwood Zoo, right? Right, in in Norristown, Pennsylvania, like some like a a good 45, 50 minutes uh, from where I, from where we live, you know, and your mom and dad are, um, you know, going out toward King of Prussia in that area, Montgomery County. So, you know, their, their COVID numbers were really great, really low. So that's why they decided that they would give our theater company the thumbs up to start rehearsing and producing. But um, this was amazing. Yeah. I mean, as you can see, um, and it was 30 feet, 30 to 40 feet from the parking lot. So if you're looking at, if you're looking at the stage, the parking lot was back where you would be, where, where you would, you know, where you're looking at the photo. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was, it was just amazing to be a part of that. Uh, we rehearsed the whole month of August and um, we had to take temperature checks. Um, our, our stage manager, Zach was amazing. Our head uh, stage manager, um, yeah, do you want to pull up another one, Andrew? Yeah, sure. I'll pull up the one with the cast. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. While I'm talking, yeah. Uh, he was amazing during the rehearsal time because they had to build the set. So they had, we had a little bit of time, but we would still practice outside under like those big gazebo tents. And he would just kick us all out and just spray everything down and be like, don't touch this. Don't breathe on that. Don't, I mean, he was amazing because of course that was his job to keep us all healthy and safe. 
And as well, this theater company um, that I worked for, I did a couple of shows for them last year. They've only been in production for two years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had some of the people are like, oh, what are they doing out there? Are they crazy? It's COVID, blah, blah, blah. But, the, you know, we followed everything that needed to be done, you know, through Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania. And they gave us the thumbs up. They gave us the green light to be able to, uh, to do the show. And we were sold out. Oh, that's me and my, that's the opening, uh, that's opening night. No, that's not, yeah. that's at a rehearsal, I think. But it, I don't know if you can see the masks, the yeah. little masks. Okay, so in, in, uh, in underneath of those masks, our sound engineer built a, a plastic. Yeah, because you know how when you have your mask on, when you breathe in as a singer, you're sucking, you know, of course you're sucking your own mask, which I think is disgusting. But they built this plastic, almost like a plastic like mouthpiece, you know, like if you're like playing football or a sport. Mm -hmm. And then what they did, was they went up through their wigs, you know how you have your mics and it's coming down either here, it came through and it came through where the mask was, amazing. So that that's, yeah, so, they, so they're anchored in and I think then they had filters put on, on like another layer on top as well. And you know, we had to test drive it, you know, a few times at some of the sound checks and stuff because some of the masks were moving too much, too close to what, uh, the mics were moving too close to the inner part of the mask. So we had to make sure that they tweaked them. They touched everything. We didn't, obviously we didn't touch anything, you know, and then our, uh, our sound engineer was brilliant. He was amazing. He was like, all right, everybody, once it's on, leave it alone, keep your hands clean and don't touch anything. So, <laughs> so literally like they were being told that every day. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I was hearing that every day for three weeks that I had rehearsals with them. Don't touch anything. Da, 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 da. Don't, you know, don't go over here to this person. Da, but we had some people that were um, brothers and sisters, some people that were quarantined together that were college students that, were, that we had recast and we rehired. And I figured that was like the smartest thing, you know? So instead of having a, an ensemble of 20, we only had an ensemble of 10. And then we only have five leads. And our Tarzan and Jane were, you know, were best friends. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. So when they got to do their songs and their singing, they were able to unmask with one another, but they were still far apart, far enough yeah. apart. So you recreated kind of what everyone's been talking about with the MBA, that bubble. Like you created yes. your own kind of musical theater bubble with the kids. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we really did. And it was interesting because uh, like a lot of their families came to see the show and stuff like that, like outside, you know, like, and what I thought was really neat I don't know how they did it. Uh, I know that all the tickets were sold online, mm -hmm. but then they had it where it was scanned, where they would come, you know, uh, they would come into the into the zoo, into the park, and we had volunteers with their masks on. They scanned their temperatures, and then they scanned their phone, and then their number from where they were supposed to park their car in the parking lot was already there. And it was like these big signs, neon signs, you know, car number one, and then this family name, car number two, and, then, and it was like staggered. So it it was like amazing like opening night i'm sitting there watching this like th this this can work do you know yeah. what i mean it's like it just it took a lot of creativity it took tons of planning tons of plan it was like no that's not gonna work nope that's not gonna work okay what do we nope that's not gonna work and we just kept hashing it out and hashing it out but once we started seeing the vision of the stage being built and the tresses and the lighting and everything hung the way that they did the costumes and the way that they were able to mask and mic everybody, then we were like, yep, we're golden. Yeah. You know, they felt safe, like the talent felt safe and we felt safe. And that's so important. We had like families with little kids up on, on top of their, you know, like on top of their SUVs and they're having their little popcorn and stuff because it was 30 feet away, but it was so large. You know what I mean? The stage was so big. 
that, you know, we didn't need screens on the side or anything like that, that you could really hear it and see it. And where we were was like kind of dipped in the valley. So guess what? You already had natural acoustics. Oh, so like the sound was just like, I was like one night I, I was just, I, it was just so heavenly because the stars, it was so brilliant. You know, all the stars were out. And I think you could see, what was it? Saturn or Jupiter? One of the moons, remember a few weeks ago where it was so bright and you could just see all the stars. And I'm like, this is the perfect show. Tarzan, yeah. socially distanced in the jungle. We're literally in the jungle. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was a win-win. It was a win-win for our theater community. It was a win-win for being able to hire the musicians and the talent because nobody was working. So it was a way for, you know, and then the families were like, oh, we haven't seen live theater. I mean, they're used to going to the Metropolitan Opera or, you know, the Pennsylvania Ballet, or they're used to going to the Philly Pops or doing something in Pennsylvania. And there was like nothing for six months, you know? So people were just like, we're driving to Tarzan. We're you know, it was just, it was amazing. And of course, you know, we had stuff on social media as well too. And, you know, these are the safety protocols and everything's been approved because, you know, you're always going to have your naysayers as well. Oh, what are they doing? That can't be done. Oh yes, it can. If it's done correctly, you know, if you take the proper procedures, but, um, the, you know, now it's getting cold. Last weekend was our last shows. It was 40 degrees. They were like this. <laughs> I did a live thing. I'm like, how are you guys doing? They're like, we're freezing. So they bought like little heaters, you know what I mean? For them to be outside there ha having hot chocolate with a hoodie on before they go out and dance in the jungle because it was 40 degrees last week. But, you know, I mean, I, and it was a full, a full audience out there as well too. And uh, the, uh, the director, the artistic direct director of the company said, thank you, everybody. I know it's cold. I know some of the, some of the families didn't care. They were like, we're out hearing mm -hmm. live music with live orchestra, with dancers and singers. You know, we had silks, they were swinging it, Tarzan and them were swinging in and out doing flips. It was like this whole, you know, it was a lot of work, it was. And it wasn't me teaching the choreography and us doing the direction and it wasn't that, it was the protocol, you know, of staying safe, staying healthy, don't touch this, do the, that. That's what was the hardest challenge. Yeah. So, and it seems like that's the optimistic lesson here. Like you're saying is thinking yourself out of this prescribed box, like going back to the roots of the amphitheater, which is actually where theater began in ancient Greece. That's right. So we're back to our basics again. That, that's how I feel. Yeah, back to our roots. I mean, if there's an amphitheater, uh, we have a, quite a few amphitheaters in South Jersey in our area too. Nobody did anything all summer. And I was surprised, but I just think because our numbers were higher and Governor Murphy was like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, oh, whatever. But, you know, it, you know, you have to follow proper protocol in whatever state you're in, you know? So between New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, definitely different. Uh, for, for me, I was just so excited that I was actually going to be creating live people again, not Zoom and not videos. And because oh, after a while, you know, it's, it's exhausting in your eyes, my eyes, I got to get my glasses on, my eyes are tired, I'm tired. But then I'm driving and I'm like, oh, wow, I've had a whole tank of gas for six months because I hadn't gone anywhere, <laughs> you know, trapped in my house. So yeah. it's like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I was like, oh, I'm tired <laughs> because I've gotten out of my routine. You know, I'd either, either be driving up to Hamilton, Princeton area to go to New York to do work, or I'm either driving into Philadelphia or, drive, you know what I mean? So I'm either in New Jersey, New York, or Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania. I wasn't going anywhere. So it's kind of like we start to get sluggish and tired and a little lazy. And I was like, oh no, I have somewhere to go. Like it was so great. I had a purpose, you know? And, um, and that's important, I think too, especially during COVID, 
you know, for our students, you know, for your students, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, and my professors, the professors I'm speaking to as well, I'm sure it's hard to, you know, to continue to keep your staff motivated, to continue to keep your students motivated so they don't go in the spiral of, oh no, when are things going to open? And I feel like I'm, it's, it's, it's been a, a real challenge. We've seen that uh, with our students in our karate school. And I've seen that even with my, you know, my own children, my own son, you know, he's a junior this year, he's 16. And he's like, he's doing 100% remote right now. And we'll wait and see if he's going to do the hybrid for a couple days. But you know, he'll go out and do basketball, he'll ride by his bike, his BMX bike and stuff. But they, they need, we need interaction. We're, we're people, we need to have human contact. And, 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 and especially for those of us that are creatives, right? And we love teaching and we love, you know, being larger than life and sharing. You can only share but so much on the Zoom. You can only share but so much on your WebEx meetings. You really, we, we, we got to be there real time for each other. And that experience for me with, with Tarzan, a couple of nights when I would come home, I mean, I didn't cry in front of them because I had to focus on, okay, what do we have to get done? But, you know, I'm crying tears of joy. Because I'm like, this is so great. I get to see my dancers again and, and, and be with the orchestra pit and actually share and talk about ideas and just being physically in a physical space with somebody else other than my family was like, and but we're outside and it's gorgeous outside and you got the fresh air. But it, it, it was just, it was, it was a, be a beautiful, overwhelming experience. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about this, which is that the Northeast suburbs are Positioned, positioned in a really interesting way where I always, you know, I like that theater history of when shows would um, do tryouts. Yes. And most of the tryout places were um, New Hope, yep. Philadelphia, Atlantic City. Yep. And like that kind of stopped happening. And I think now there's a new opportunity of, oh, let's try out these Broadway productions in the suburbs. I hope so. I, I, I really hope so because that that's, I mean, they would just, you know, and, and it's interesting because we've gotten so technologically sound and safe with all these big productions. And I'm like, no, no, strip all that away. You've got a great score. You've got great singers and dancers and actors. You know, you can come together and do a cabaret or you can come together and do, you know, a, a, you know, a reading, like a table read or a little bit better than a table read of a show that's new, that's different, that you don't need all the glitz and glam. You know, you, sometimes you don't. If you just strip things away, like you were saying, old school amphitheater style, it just makes it so much easier. She has an appointment, but oh no, I want Susan to, I want, her, I want you to speak. I want you to say hello and what you do. I want to know who you are, please. Oh, you oh, thank you. I don't want to take people's time away from you. This has been no. so fabulous. I just am so uplifted by your spirit, your dedication. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I'm going to go oh, try welcome. to find everything you've done and watch it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So, so Susan, what do you do? Please tell me what you do really quickly and, okay. and how you and Andrew are working together and what well, you do at Stony Brook. This is important for me because I, I love education. I mainly try to keep up with Andrew and um, offer what guidance I can, but he's always so far ahead of me um, that it's just a delight to work with him. I feel we're much more collaborators than uh, teacher students. Nice. And, I teach uh, 19th century American literature, and over the past few years, Andrew and I both have been exploring Walt Whitman much more fully. Uh, we started working on events to celebrate Whitman's 200th birthday, and we've just both kept on with courses on Whitman, uh, public projects, collaborations with the Art Museum, and so um, I, uh, I, I feel very lucky to be able 
to work with the wonderful students at Stony Brook, including Andrew. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for your gift of education and English and the languages. And it's so important for us to know that, you know, depend, no matter what we end up doing with our careers, English, and because that was one of my favorite subjects as well, too. And Shakespeare and digging into the different dialects and the poetry. And it's so important. It just, it just makes us more well-rounded as people. Well, and you bring it all alive and spark that excitement in people. So yeah, we, we work together. Yes. Uh, but I'm afraid I have to go. I have a, a dental appointment of all things. Yikes. But, <laughs> uh, I would so much rather be here, let me tell you. But I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to meet you. Um, thank so you, thank Professor you so Shackle. Much today. And thank you, Andrew, for arranging this. And I'm glad it's being recorded because I know not everybody could make it at this time, but now everyone can benefit. So oh, thank awesome. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much for educating our youth. Yes. Oh. And for pouring your wisdom into this next oh. generation, because we need that. Well, thank you so a, much. It is a privilege. And I, I, I learn um, every day from this. That's how I feel. <laughs> bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Have a great day. Thanks. So, so I think that's kind of like uh, I would say that my act two, you know, like you know, I, I still like to act and do print work and stuff, but I love being behind the scenes now with the choreography and the direction, and I love mentoring. That's my heart. That is my heart. I have five amazing students now. One's in England, uh, the others are in Pennsylvania and scattered all over, and um, they they've been working hard. They've been working really hard through the COVID. We've been doing the Zoom. I keep trying to, you know, make sure that sometimes they would stay on the phone with me for a half hour later. Miss Renee in the theater and I can't dance at my school anymore. Like they're, because these are teens that are used to being expressive and being mm -hmm. with their friends and in different groups and playing basketball and softball. And, and now it's like nothing. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just stay on the phone with them and talk to them and just, yeah. you know, just hear their hearts because I, I, I'm an adult and I'm trying to process the COVID. Right. Like how, you know, 15, 16, you know what I mean? Trying to wrap their heads around that, that this is the time of their lives as teenagers. No yeah. proms, no graduations. Uh, imagine, you know what I mean? No Disney, the senior yeah. class trip, everything got canceled. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we're a little have, older, so. I have this mantra calendar that I always look to. And the quote for September is, a somebody was once a nobody who wanted to and did. And that like what I you're saying it. about you can i mean right now just even reaching out to you there is a thought in my mind saying i really should check in with renee and i keep seeing her on social media and i know that she would she has such wisdom to share with my students but also to open up about thinking about the performing arts and that's yeah. where to see that you're also you're thinking outside the box like there are there are so many opportunities happening right now of creativity. Like, and I even sent a video of myself yes. singing to my students. And I'm like, you know, this is how I'm processing what's happening. Here's myself singing. Like human. I saw them. Yes. I yeah. saw them. They were great. They were, no, they were awesome. And you know what too, Andrew, you know what's really important is to let your students know, and I'm gonna share this with them. My husband and I do a lot of different projects. We're working on a huge project now with a, an award-winning composer, 
uh, who lives out in Pennsylvania, and we auditioned a whole bunch of teenagers for a PSA, a public service announcement, called Don't Forget to Wear a Mask. It's coming out soon, can't tell you any more details, oh, wow. but the way that I, I find, not just only using my own students, but the way that I found find talent. It was just released as public now. It was just released? Yeah. Oh, okay, it was just released. Oh, my husband's just telling me. <laughs> okay, great. Did we hear back from Jay yet? No. no. Okay. It looks great. It does look great. Okay. All right. Well, it was just released. Well, there you go. I'm like waiting, going, you know, sometimes you can't say stuff until after the fact. Um, I yeah, definitely I'm send me, if you have a link to it, send it to me and I'll share it with this video. I, I will. I will. And also for your students as well, too, because I know that, you know, some of them are from out of state and in state and all over. It's always good for them to be able to have a network of people that they can reach out to, whether they're, you know, minoring in English or majoring in English or whether or not they want to test out the performing arts or maybe writing a play or a script. You know, it's, it's so important for them to stay in the circle. So now, now you all know how to find me through Andrew, <laughs> through your professor. And that's great. I mean, Andrew, you're, you, you know so many people as well, too, because you were at such a young age with all the talents that you had and your skills and ability, you were able to work with so many people in such a short time while you were down in Washington Township. Yeah, and and now look at you now, you know, you're, like, you're you know, going for your degree and yeah. teaching. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and I feel like now I'm, I'm paying it forward. Like, I'm just trying to pay forward all the experiences I had in showing my students look at these opportunities and like you never know I reached out to a composer of a Whitman opera his name is Matt Alcoyne and I just sent him an email and I said I just saw your opera at the Brooklyn um where is it uh, Bam Bam thank you Bam the Brooklyn yeah. Academy of Bam, Music yeah. and would you be interested in celebrating Whitman's symposium at Stony Brook and coming out and he said he responded the next day and I've used that lesson with so many people. Like you never know, most people, they're gonna check their email and you know, they're right. interested to collaborate. You know, like never think, yes. oh, this person is out of my league or they're not going to reach yeah. out to me. And guess what? Guess what, Andrew? Especially not now, because guess what? We're all in the same boat, maybe in different boats, but we're all, seriously, we're all yeah. in the same boat. All my friends that were doing tours and on Broadway and way over, guess what, everybody's home now. Do you know what I mean? So everybody's on the same, you know, on the same playing field as to now what do I do? What do I do with my time and talent? I can't physically go into the theater now. What other skills do I have? What other things can I do yes. to help me to get the income coming in so that I can continue to, and that's, oh, that's been a big, huge lesson for a lot of my friends that are a little older than me that are in their mid fifties and early sixties. And they're like, well, I was always the Broadway diva. I always had my show. I'm like, well, you don't now. So now what, so now what, now what you yeah. have to think of what other, well, this is all I learned or this is all I did. Well, now guess what? Now it's time to get a new skill. You know what I mean? Now it's time to reinvent yourself. Now it's time to start doing talks. Now it's time to start giving back. Well, I don't teach. I, I can't teach. Okay. Well then you better figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Some of the jazz musicians and stuff like they've opened Birdland and a few other places, the blue note, that those guys are all plexied up, all the musicians, they're playing live and you can send them money through Venmo or whatever, but everybody has to pay their bills. You know what I mean? Everyone has families and things. Yeah. So it, 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 they, they have to think outside the box or else. Yes, yes. And I'm just, I think everything that you've been talking about is that passion and bringing people together, thinking creatively, and realizing that you can do something with the skills you have. 
Like, I think the hardest thing that I've seen, just even from those who are at the university right now, is if you start to have a mental collapse and you feel emotionally depleted, like there's nothing you can do. And it's like what you said about your students. Some of them said, well, I can't perform on stage right now. What do I do? And I think that once you realize, like even having this conversation with you right now, it triggers all the happy neurons that I'm experiencing. Like, oh, there's people who are trying to think creatively and we are forming communities. Like it's, but again, that wouldn't happen if I was, you know, addicted to watching my phone right now. Like I wouldn't be sharing this experience. And, you know, I think though, once people, that's why I keep saying to people, find the things that get you mentally stimulated and continue making sure you're in a positive space because, you know, the news is going to keep continuing. Like it's an oh, yeah. endless. Sometimes cycle. you just have to go click. Sometimes you have to turn that off. Like sometimes I can't. Like I can't. I can only watch it in bits. <laughs> like after dinner. Like I don't do eleven o'clock news because then that's the last thing that's on my mind when I go to sleep. You know, I'd rather have you know being you know thinking about thankful thoughts of oh I'm thankful for today that I had this happen or that happen. And sometimes you know what? Guess what? Sometimes you just have to you just have to make yourself happy. Like you just have to, for me, it's like, okay, I'm putting on some music. Let me just dance. Let me, you know, let me go bang on the piano. Let me go bang on the cajon or on the drums. Like what makes, you know, what, what's going to help me to stay yeah. positive and upbeat, you know, exactly. and or, or sometimes just looking at old pictures, you know, yeah. it's looking at old stuff. Yes. Going, wow. I did those things. That's such a blessing. How cool is that? Like counting our blessings and going backwards and yeah. going, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, when I come into this office, cause I have stuff everywhere all around. I'm like, Oh, there's my friend Brigitte from Holland, and there's so and so from Germany, and there's, you know, and I'll talk. Sometimes I'll talk to their pictures because I, oh, I don't see them all all the time. You know, some of them, unfortunately, some of them have passed away. Whether it was you know drug overdose or AIDS or whatever else, so some of them have been gone, and that's sad too. But I still remember them. You know what I mean? You speak and, to them, and I think that's so powerful, Renee, because I do a lot of mantras. Like I write a mantra every day in my calendar in the morning. I say. Today, I'm going to be joyful. Today, I'm going to send love to people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I practice yoga. I love yoga. Um, Just to stretch my body. I want to try hot yoga. I want to try hot yoga. I like it. It is. Really? She said she almost passed out. I've I've never done it before. Like, I usually do, like, the Pilates with the stretching and, you know, I have all the bands and equipment and stuff like that, you know, as I'm getting older, you know, um, so, you know, certain things just hurt and don't work as well as they used to, and that's normal, that's natural. Um, but, you know, I, I want to always try, I always wanted to try that hot yoga. They're like, yeah, it's so hot in there and you're trying to stretch. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I was <laughs> yeah, I actually started, I was doing that a lot before the pandemic. I did like six days a week of hot yoga. Yep. Yeah, but like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but now what oh, I do... Yeah, so your body, everything's like all liquid. Yeah, but what I do now is I walk an hour and 15 every day. I try to walk five miles. And I just listen to music and I imagine. Like, that's my imaginative space. Actually, after I get off with you, I'm just going to listen to the music. I live right by the Long Island Sound. And I'm just so grateful that I have such beautiful nature. Ooh. And it's so good for your creative juices. Yeah, it's, 
right? It yeah. just it keeps you in a good headspace. And that's what I say to everyone. Yeah, it does. Yeah, when I say, you know what's not taken away from us right now is nature. Being outside, we still have yeah. that. Yes. Yep. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm 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 grateful for that. Yeah. The the other day I was with my son, we just drove out down the Long Beach Island just to see the ocean and, and hear the waves and the sand, you know, where we are, of course, where you grew up too, you know, you have the trees and we still have the deer and the rabbits and yes. stuff and just being thankful that we're not living in a city on top of each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That you have, that you have space. I remember at Stony Brook, that was, that's a beautiful campus too. Yeah. And I remember, you know what I mean? The wide spaces and just being able to walk through and the grass and the trees, just beautiful. I forgot. That's right. That's right. Long Island Sound. That's right. You're closer to the water. Right where you are. Yes, yes, yes. Going out. I actually live. I what live on the on the Long Island Expressway. What did, what are you like? What were the um? Remind me. What were some of the exits? So we're as, as, as a, say Stony Brook is from a Delphire Hospital. Yeah, Stony Brook is exit sixty two. And I think okay. Garden City so like would be like thirty. Garden City. Thirty four. Yeah, yeah. Five, something like that. Yeah. So what are you doing? Like going up, passing like Valley Stream and stuff, and you keep going, right? Yeah, you have to pass Huntington. Right so you have to go east. Huntington, Huntington. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh my God, it's it's been so long. Like I've always wanted to go back and visit, but I'm not, I've never I haven't had the chance to go back to Long Island to visit. And now when you want to, we'll socially distance, and I'll go take you on a walk to the beach. That's the visit. Oh, I'd lo I'd love to. No, that would be great. But of course, then I'd have to make my way up. I'd have to do, I'd have to, I have to stop by Garden City. I'd have to stop at Adelphine and keep going. Because um, I rem I do remember you all had like the, the black box that was up there at Stony Brook. Yep, and we I still remember, have it. Yeah, we still uh, have it. Yep. I, re I remembered some of the dancers, some of us performers from Adelphi, Hofstra, SUNY Purchase yeah. all went to Stony Brook because you guys were doing something and it was like it was so awesome it was like this massive workshop and I can't I can't remember who was there but I just remember like all the different colleges and they only picked a few of us to go to this workshop I want to say it might have been Lee Theodore maybe it was American Dance Machine and she was the original anybody's in West Side Story I think it might have been she's wow. she's been passed away she's been gone for at least 20 years now but I think it was Lee Theodore's master workshop out there and okay. it was at Stony Brook because I remember like well this is a nice college campus too like I <laughs> yeah. I'll probably edit this part out but I've wanted to tell you this since I started talking to you again Renee but oh, okay. one of my passion yep, musicals yep. is Debbie Allen's choreography for Carrie. Have you ever seen when she did the <laughs> Carrie musical? It was like, but it was, yeah. it's so intense in all the good ways. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, these dancers are dancing. You want to hear something interesting though about that show? Yeah. Was when we were doing Starlight Express, hang on, I'm trying to remember, we were in Germany. Fritz Kurtz was the, was the producer at that point before, like when it was stuck. So this must have been 88, 89, and they were losing all this money from Carrie on Broadway. And he was telling us how we had to make sure that our show was great so that he can, so, oh, the, so that he doesn't lose his sixth house. Oh my, home. Oh, I was like, are wow. you kidding me? <laughs> but yeah, Car Carrie, and then uh, what was it after that? Come on, not Dracula. It was like two or three years later than oh. when they tried to produce Dance of the Vampire. Or the yes, Oops. yes, there was Dance. Well, there was Lestat. Lestat? Lestat. 
Yeah, yeah let's start. Yeah, it wasn't that one. It was the other one. Yeah, I think it Inferno is vampires. Yeah, it was Tansen upon Pier. Yeah, tan dancing. Yeah, that's what it was. Dancing of vampires. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, he's telling us to to be fabulous in the show that we're already fabulous in because he doesn't want to lose his sixth home because Carrie wasn't doing a good job on Broadway and it was like flopped. It was a flop or something. I was like, oh yeah. no. Oh, but yeah, you're right. You're right. The dancing in that was fierce. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to. I'll <laughs> they share have to with you. Leave. They yeah, I'll share with you. They did one of the, they did a reunion of it on Stars in the House, and the whole story apparently is that German backer, the German producer, they were getting Chris, sold out. Yeah. They were getting sold out houses on Broadway, but he like just up and left with all the money because he was going That's into banking. What yeah, yeah, it was very shady. It was either him or his partner because there was two of them, something like that. Yeah, yeah. something shady happened. Interesting, because I just remember him saying that coming in during a, the, or the break and going, oh, well, Carrie's not doing a good job. And if this show doesn't sell out, then I'm going to lose my sixth summer home. And we're all looking at him like, well, we just want one summer home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, know your audience. <laughs> It was yeah. It was his. It was his house on the French Riviera or something ridiculous like that. I don't know. It it's funny because um when we lived in Europe and in Germany and traveling, it was amazing. Do you know what I mean? And 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 being able to live in different countries and learning the languages and the cultures. But um you know I don't know. Then once nine eleven happened and then once I had my kids, I was like oh okay. You know like if if I get back there, I'd like to go back and visit and see my friends and in Japan too and you know maybe Australia. But I don't know. Right now I'm like. Oh, Okay. You know, COVID, we can't go anywhere anyway. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you're but, such, you're a you fierce know. dancer. I mean, you really are. Like when I, when I think of the <laughs> adjective fierce, I think of Renee Lisiaga because. <laughs> and like, hey, guess what? I, 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 I could still, when, when I was teaching you guys Smokey Joe's, I was still able to do those twirls, but that well, was I a remember, while ago. I remember so, the twirls. Things, things kind of are still working. Things are still working. I have a little bit of, you know, some hip problems here and there from a fall. I actually injured myself last year. Oh. And um, as a result of that, unfortunately, you know, like things are not as, but I mean, I, I could still get my legs up. I can still, you know, there's certain things I could still do really good. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. But then later I'm like, oh, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so 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 am I performing for you before we before we wrap up? Yeah, do you want to do just a little something to wrap up? Sure. Acapella on Broadway, Smokey Joe's. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. They say there's always magic in the but when you walk in down the street and you ain't had enough to eat, the good to rubs right off and you're nowhere on Broadway, on Broadway.